The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Now, Daniel McConnell, the editor of the Business Post, has been looking on today at the latest Oroctus hearing in relation to ongoing events at RTE. Uh, this is the third day, the second day that the Oroctus Committee and Media has had the opportunity to question uh, both the chair, the former chair today, and uh, executive members of RTE about what has been going on there. Although, just to start, Daniel, it seems that, but maybe to many people, the main event is going to be next week when Ryan Tuberty and his agent Noel Kelly go in. Yeah, that's right. So that, that emerged earlier today, Matt, that Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty, uh, by way of, it came by way of a legal letter to the committee this morning that they're they're wishing and they're willing, I suppose, to help the committee in in its investigations. Now, I would have found this very surprising that they want to go in because, um, you know, they're under no obligation, no legal obligation to go. They'll, they'll be appearing as essentially voluntary witnesses. Um, and the question, you know, in light of the Angela Hearns, debacle, I suppose, a number of years ago. Why would they feel the need to put themselves through that? Will you just um, remind people what the Angela Kearns debacle was, please, because it is sure. relevant. Yeah, sure. So she went, she was then uh, the chief executive of the rehab charity, which was under investigation for, I suppose, corporate governance failures. Um, and Angela Kearns went in before the Public Accounts Committee, then chaired by John McGuinness. Um, and it, it was a robust uh, exchange, uh, to say the very least. And it went on for seven plus hours. Uh, Angela Kern subsequently took legal action against the committee for essentially going beyond its remit and, and, and you know, being unfair to her, um, not even uh, giving her a break. And the Supreme Court has found in her favour um, that essentially while the principle of absolute privilege exists, but they did find that the committee did go over the top. And that has had a very significant chilling effect in terms of the how committees are run. But it also has clarified this issue that, you know, people who go in before committees, uh, unless they are, say, accounting officers or people who are in state positions, are there as voluntary witnesses and they're, or they're under no legal obligation to go there. The fact that Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly have decided to go in would imply that they've decided to go on the front foot in whatever may happen and also may imply, would it, that uh, Ryan Tuberty feels that this is necessary to try and protect his position with the public and to return to the airwaves on RT to be seen to be transparent? Well, a question. And I think, Matt, I think there's probably a realisation that this is his only remaining avenue to come out and... Uh, I suppose, put his side of the story through. He's obviously barred uh, from going on air at the moment. Uh, the current acting director, General Adrian Lynch, confirmed now that he's now suspended for at least a month um, you know, because of the uh, because of the controversy, um, as his negotiations for a new contract have also been parked for a month in order to, uh, I suppose, let the dust settle in relation to this, and they're hoping that this uh, saga, now three weeks old, will come to an end. Sorry, just so um, you say negotiations for a new contract, because there has been some uh, misunderstandings, perhaps, or the there's been a lack of clarity in relation to that. We heard last week at one stage that he was out of contract because he was no longer doing the Late Late Show and was been replaced by Patrick Hilty. But he has continued on the radio show and it appears that he has continued to be paid. Do we know what he's been paid for or where they're at in coming to actually clarifying that situation on a contract which runs until 2025 but for which he no longer wants to provide services for two years of the television show? Yeah, so I think, uh, so Adrian Lynch gave clarity that the, the contract that covered him for the TV and the radio essentially was broken and came to an end in May. They're operating on a kind of a, a gentleman's verbal agreement at the moment, pending the final um, negotiations of a new radio 
contract or radio focus contract. I presume there'll be some scope for further television work, but you know that's all yet to be determined. Um, but we know that he is continuing to be paid despite despite the fact that he's off air, um, and that uh, I suppose they're, they're waiting for those negotiations between RT and, and Ryan Tuberty's agent Noel Kelly to to uh, conclude. But I, I presume, given the ongoing controversy, they're very much on the back burner. But w- I think it'll be very interesting to hear from not only Ryan Tuberty because. You know, if you go back to the very start of this, when this all kicked off Thursday two weeks ago, his initial statement and Noel Kelly's initial statement put the blame of all of this very much at the door of RTE. Now, we all know 24 hours later, he came out with a much more apologetic and much more, you know, mea culpa focused um, statement. So it would be interesting to know exactly uh, on what basis were they leading their negotiations, because it, it does seem from a reading of all of this that D Forbes you know, was it was you know well was at pains essentially to try and retain Ryan Tuberty's services. So, and there's been a suggestion, Matt, that you know Noel Kelly was sort of going in there saying that listen, he, he's you know he has stood in for broadcasters in the UK. He's you know he's a, he's a talent in, in high demand, and you've got to do everything you can to try and uh, and retain him. Um, and it, and it seems that you know what he felt that they had no choice but to guarantee him no, you know. Uh, no further pay cuts and to, I suppose, underwrite the, the various deals done with Renault, uh, you know, which have been the subject of such controversy. Um, but it'll be very interesting, I think, for a lot of people to hear Noel Kelly's role in all of this because he's been the main driver of, of this sort of uh, demand to, to, to give Ryan Tuberty all this money and to make sure that he didn't get a, a further pay cut. So uh, it's a high risk, like, there's no doubt about it, it's a high risk strategy for Ryan Tuberty to put himself in front of, you know, an, um, a, a bunch of TDs who are clearly, you know, see this is all a win-win for them. Kicking RTE now is, is sort of good for business. It doesn't do them any damage and it gives them a platform to, to grandstand a little bit. So I think they'll be more than happy to get to um, see Ryan Tuberty in front of them. Um, but I do think it, it is fraught with danger and I think he will have to have his story straight um, and not leave any kind of loose ends before when he goes into the committee next week because uh, he is fighting for his broadcast career in RTE. There's no doubt about it. In the interest of transparency, I should just say that Noel Kelly's management agency has acted for me on certain times such as a book deal for a book which will be published later this year and in relation to contracts for certain events such as chairing conferences but not for any work that I've done in broadcasting in uh, Today FM or in Virgin Media or in relation to my newspaper columns that I work with so just to be clear on that in case anyone wants to bring it up but just did we get clarity today in relation to whether this end of previous contract bonus of €120,000 was actually paid to Ryan Tuberty as to whether he actually did take a reduction in his pay and to the circumstances of when this guarantee was given to him that there would be no further pay cuts because that came at a time when the media industry was in some turmoil because of COVID and very uncertain as to his future revenues. Yeah, so there was a lot of focus in relation to this, and, and Bredo Keith, who's the, the is now the now former chief commercial or chief finan- uh, financial officer in RTE, um, there was a lot of focus in relation to the ins and outs of, of the money towards Ryan Tuberty, um, and uh, so like w- what we basically heard from her, and also I suppose there was a lot of focus. Uh, Brendan Griffin, the Finnegal TD from Kerry, hammered that point very hard about you know the, that deal done in terms of the exit payment and also the the guarantee the letter. Uh, the guarantee of letter for, uh, to Ryan Toby from D4 was basically saying that there'll be no further fake cuts was at a time of COVID-19 when uh, you know the, the RTE itself was strapped for cash it, it was relying on go- government handouts essentially to, to kind of keep afloat to make sure it had enough cash to run um, and we also know um, that you know it was done at a time when RTE's own staff were, were really feeling the pinch in terms of pay cuts 
and also in terms of you know there had been a suspension of increment payments to, to senior staff and and you know there have obviously been other cuts in terms of the you know um uh, you know kind of staff in the newsroom and kind of giving them proper uh, crews etc like that so it was quite a lot of detail but in terms of the the 120,000 euro we're kind of getting so what you had essentially was O'Keefe making it clear that you know her successor the current chief financial officer Richard Collins uh was given a comprehensive handover in relation to all of this at the time when she, he took over in 2020. He had said that he had very, very, very little knowledge. She disputed that very strongly and basically you know, put him on the hook quite, quite. Well, indeed. Looked, we let's just play a little bit of it because I described it myself on Twitter earlier as a belter of a statement. It was really, really strong and strongly put. So let's hear a little bit of the former chief financial officer of RT, Breed O'Keefe. All top talent contract negotiations involved the director general the CFO, head of content and the RTE internal solicitor at all stages in the negotiations. The head of news and current affairs was only involved if news and current affairs presenters were involved. The director in general was the director general was not involved on a day-to-day basis in this process. Okay, what did you make of the rest of her statement? How much clarity did it provide Daniel? Yeah, it was a very detailed uh, statement, and she was given some leave by the chair, uh, Neve Smith, um, to to kind of you know, give set out her her stall. And I suppose what she was trying to do, Matt, essentially, because she was there through that kind of very key period uh, when a lot of the, these uh, details kicked up. She made it very clear, despite uh, Richard Collins's claims that the this barter count, this so-called barter count, which we got a lot of details today about, you know, flip flops and tickets to to concerts and and sort of the whining and dining of of guests, etc., like that across Dublin and elsewhere. Um, she said that was very much under uh, the finance function and not count, and not kind of off on its own sort of silo as it had been led to believe. And there was a, a clear dispute between the two chief financial officers and, you know, he, uh, Richard Collins, you know, had to kind of come back in and say, I didn't intend to mislead because the, the meeting kicked off, um, you know, on, on the basis of what was there one barter counter, was there three? Uh, and because he had said there was only one last week and committee members were saying, well, actually, clearly the, the documents we have in front of us are saying that there's, there appears to be three. And he kind of gave this convoluted answer that because he, he was operating on some sort of consolidated accounting ba- accounting basis that it, it, in essence it was one. But I don't think the committee he used, he used the that. analogy that if you were asked how much did you spend on your weekly shopping and you said 200 euro, you yeah. would just say... I spent 200 euro on my weekly shopping. Not that, well, I spent 70 in one supermarket, 70 in another, and 60 yeah. in the third. Yeah, he made the point that it was a, he was operating on a consolidated basis, but he did, I suppose, accept the point that there could have been, uh, you know, a misunderstanding in relation to that. And he did say it was not his intention to mislead the committee in any way. But I do think, like, he, like he himself has had a horrid afternoon now from committee members. He's getting an awful lot of heat. And the fact, I suppose, that his immediate predecessor has very much put him on the hook and has, has, has kind of disputed very strongly his testimony from last week. Uh, you know, he's looking a pretty beaten figure at the moment uh, and, and a lot of the committee members are, are giving him a, a rough enough whole oh, okay. time. Okay, well, it's also what was really interesting and I want to play a little bit from the opening statement from the current RTE chair, uh, Shun Nirali, who fairly much in that soft-spoken way of her puts the boot into the executive management. I am deeply unhappy at the evident pattern of inconsistency and lack of completeness in the provision of information to date by the executive. Regrettably, this pattern has persisted. I believe there is a high probability that more information may emerge in the days and weeks ahead. As a board, we cannot fulfil our role to the highest standards when we cannot rely on the information provided. 
Daniel, I've been working as a business journalist for 35 years now at this stage and I cannot remember a chair of a major company ever publicly put in the boot into executive management in that fashion. It is, I suspect, unprecedented. Now, they have a new director general starting officially next Monday, although I believe he will have to turn up at a committee tomorrow in advance of that. But where does that leave all the members of the executive committee? I think she did sort of go into a little detail, a little bit more nuance without actually mentioning individual names. But does that suggest that some of them should be very anxious for their own careers and futures? I would have thought so. I think I think you're absolutely right. Your summation there is is spot on. I mean, you basically have you know uh, the chair of an organisation absolutely eviscerating her own executive, and you know warning publicly that you know there are going to be further revelations. Warning politicians that the information that they're being presented you know today, and in fairness, they're they're doing their best to try and be as as comprehensive and as open as possible. Um, but you know what they what they're basically saying is that you know the the drip feed of information internally is not sufficient. They're not getting the full picture even from their their own staff and their own their own people and that does not speak well to how RT has been run and it does speak to a major corporate governance failure um, and I suppose it, it, it raises all sorts of questions about D Forbes term and tenure as, as Director General it, it raises questions around the Chief Financial Officers um, kind of uh, operate because obviously what these are financial inf- this is financial information primarily that we're looking to get now Geraldine O'Leary who's the outgoing Chief Financial Officer did give reference to her own tenability uh, as an RT executive and she said she like she said well, Kevin Backhurst is here next from next week and she'll be having a conversation with her but she did in her own right say she has an issue about her own viability you know even though she's got eight, eight to nine weeks left to go because of the as she described as the intrusion by the media and um, the treatment she's getting on on uh, uh, social media and i suppose the impact it's having on her mental health and her family and um, but I, I think there's a very big question mark now over the officer branch of or the officer class in, in RT because they not only are they being condemned by the politicians who are asking the questions, they've now been condemned by their own chair for, for not being fit for purpose. And it's also clear from information that's come out that some of them are paid more than the so-called talent who are in the top 10 list as declared, that if you were to do the best paid list of RT personnel, there would be broadcasters pushed down uh, the ladder, replaced by members of management. Okay, later on after 5 o'clock we're going to be looking at issues Issues like Toy Show the Musical and how it lost over €2 million Euro plus uh, during its brief run the Christmas before last. We're going to be talking about bogus self-employment, uh, contingent liabilities to RT, which they won't disclose because of so-called commercial sensitivities. Uh, we're also going to be hearing about a car that was borrowed by an RT staff member for five years, and which was handed back yesterday. That's some loan, isn't it? A car that you get for five years and you hand back in the teeth of a storm. But one other one I'd like you just to uh, maybe elaborate upon for us, Daniel, before we let you go. Uh, €2,000 spent on balloons and €5,000 spent on flip-flops. Yeah, so so basically what the committee had asked for was details in relation to the barter uh, account and what it was spent for. And what we have been given is, is this picture of extraordinary levels of entertainment and extraordinary levels of largesse and kind of whining and dining in restaurants and, you know, large matches, large sporting events, um, a large spend on flip-flops for a summer party. You know, you have, you know, a 5,000 meal for 40 people in Drumcondra ahead of a U2 concert and so on and so on and so on. So it, it, it makes grim reading and I suppose what, like what 
what people have been doing all afternoon is you know contrasting that largesse which you know some people say it's the norm in advertising it's the normal in, in commercial sort of uh, circles etc like that but when you can't contrast that with the treatment of RT staff which have seen their pay cut have seen their colleagues have you know the, the number of colleagues eviscerated and the fact that they can't get proper crews and equipment in the newsroom and um, you know when, when you're spending spending like 3,600 euro on 60 Ireland jerseys ahead of a country of the European Championships and 23,000 on tickets for the tournament you know and, and what was interesting is that Julian O'Leary and some of the other top brass were clearly I won't say beneficiaries, but we're certainly you know the ones doing the whining and dining, and we're we're there on a lot of these trips uh, and a lot of these events. So you know some some people were using the, the company credit card to, to enjoy themselves an awful lot, albeit for work reasons they may argue, but certainly their 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 work environments were certainly the very top end of you know premium level tickets, you know top level entertainment and the very best shows, both in terms of sport and music and entertainment. So um you know a lot of people say you know that that ill behoves um uh, an organisation such as RTE. And okay. Brendan Griffin was, was out the gap within three minutes of his starting address to say it's not a barter account, it's a slush fund. Daniel McConnell, editor of the Business Post, thank you very much for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4 30. Today-